The views and opinions expressed on this show belong solely to the hosts and their guests and do not reflect the views of any outside institutions unless explicitly stated. What's up, everyone? My name is Steve Vandewall, and I'm the host of Cannabis Cum Laude, a podcast devoted entirely to cannabis. This podcast will cover a full spectrum of topics, including cultivation, business, medicine, politics, culture, advocacy, and everything in between. Because let's face it, the cannabis industry is very complicated. It's robust, and it has a ton of moving parts. So it's going to be my job to help you understand it a little bit better. So tune in every week for a brand new episode. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. And if you really, really, really like the show and are interested in sponsoring, please shoot me an email at logistics at cannabiscumlaude.com. Now enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Cannabis Cum Laude here with my good friend, Corinne Devine. Uh, she's been on the show before. We're here to do our one-year update. It was just about a year ago that we were up talking about it, and it was you know early on in the licensing process and right when things were starting to get off the ground. A lot has happened over the past year. Yes. Um, for, for those who don't know Corinne, she is a cannabis chemist who is the director of labs and product development at Bristol Extracts, and they are a licensed adult use or a conditionally licensed adult use mm -hmm. processor in the state of New York. Yes. Very exciting. Yes. It's a mouthful. The most exciting. Yep. Great introduction. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. I know it is a lot of words, but, um, you know, it is complicated what we do. We're it doing a lot. Yeah. You're doing a lot. and. We are. I think last time we talked, you everything was still kind of unrolling. Yeah, so we talked last March, and I think it was right after the Bristol Extract CBD line launched. Um, wow. So now that's a year old. A lot has happened in a year. About a year ago, March 2022, was when the conditional program was brought forth to Kathy Hochul, I mm -hmm. believe. And so that's when that all got approved, and we've been on um, that track ever since. Um, and so it's great a year later to be a AUCP and have products that are out in the market. We have um, CAURDs, more acronyms, the conditional adult yeah. use retail dispensaries um, that our products cards. are in. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I mean, New York State OCM, CCB. Um, Card, AUCP, card. yeah. Yep, DASNY. Which I don't even want to get into that can <laughs> of worms. <laughs> yeah, we're going to leave okay, that one not alone. Not talking about Dazzy. Not no, at all. I'm kidding. No, we can talk about, yeah, we have three brands at market now. Oh, yeah. It launched um, about a month ago. So March is just the product launch month for us. And um, we launched Love Weed, Senior Moments, and Snobby Dankins. We have products. Love Weed. Here to show off. Check today. it out. Yep, Love Weed. This is our female-centric, modern, elevated cannabis brand for the modern New York woman. We feature uh, unique gummy flavors such as lychee and ginger, and we also have half-gram vapes in the Love Weed line. Our other brand is uh, Senior Moments, and that is for the baby boomer generation, middle-aged cannabis users, very balanced products that are um, simple and familiar to them they're making like a revisit to cannabis so it's yeah. pretty cool to just 
include them in the community and give them oh, a yeah. fun narrative, you know. Um, and the Snobby Dinkins brand is our last brand. I love that name. That is our cannabis connoisseur brand. We have one gram vape cartridges in that brand, and we're soon to launch a 1,000 milligram um, THC tincture for Snobby Dinkins. Snobby Dinkins. I love that. Yes, this is a cannabis drive terpenes in a one gram cartridge. Do you think we should, should we sample one of them? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, except you? we have one battery. So here, you kick it off. I, I love the on air live reaction. So formulated you by try. you, formulated yes, by you, formulated by me, um, grown <laughs> by us, you know, under the New York sun. Grown by Jason Parshall, our director of cultivation. He's out of Naples, right in the Bristol Valley. We're all local, you know. Um, oh, this one. <laughs> you got to <laughs> screw on the cart. There's no cart on there. Yo, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Outtakes. I was just testing it. That is so funny. Um, yeah. That's so funny. Yo, grown by to us, table. extracted by us. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, what goes into creating a product like this? Well, a lot goes into it, um, the growing, the extracting, like we, like we spoke about, and then the ideation, really. We knew we wanted um, a one-gram vape cart for the Connoisseur line to give people who are frequent cannabis users mm -hmm. um, a large enough product that will last them. And um, we... Lovely. Yeah, and then we wanted to focus on um, the cannabis drive terpenes. We have... A unique strain extract in each skew of Snobby Dinkins. So okay. we launched with three one gram vape cartridges, um, Sativa Hybrid Indica, in the hybrid that we're smoking right now, I believe, the gray package that you have there. Yep. Um, this is our cherry chem fruit. Cherry chem fruit. Now, what, what made you decide what strains that you guys wanted to cultivate this year? Was there a lot of planning that went into, we're going to use this because it has this profile and it has these effects? What went into choosing the strains that you, you ultimately ended up making products so with? It's so nice. Because I'm a coffer too. I am a coffer. Everybody thinks, oh, that guy doesn't even smoke. No, they're so smooth. Yep. Smooth and delicious. They are. Certainly snobby. Certainly. Um, yeah, we have selected what strains we're growing this year. We're growing more strains. Last year it was eight photos and two autos, <laughs> um, just strains. And this year I believe it's 20. Nice. Um, I've been less involved on it, luckily. Like we've been able to compartmentalize yep. as we've brought on more people. Um, so I'm not uh, totally up to speed on the whole process, but I know last year we sourced <coughs> the genetics because um, we were interested in the, the breeder and the work that he did and it's all translated onto the Snobby Dinkins website where we explain um, choosing like the genetics for each skew yep. and how that plugged in on that side. So oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's exciting times. We got the QR code, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into these products. So what has it been like, you know, there's, we have a handful of card licensees out or like actual dispensaries yes. up and running now, maybe five. I think six, it's about, yeah, six, eight. Six, eight. Around there, yeah. New York City, Binghamton. Um, Albany. Um, let's see. Ithaca. Ithaca, yes. Out near Lake Placid area, they're getting one soon okay, as well. Cool. 
Yeah. What's it been like, you know, working with them? You guys have products on shelves? We do have products on shelves. We're in about six of the nice. roughly eight that are open. So almost every store we're in, we're in uh, Union Square in the city, Housing Works in the city as well, Upstate Canna in Albany, Just Breathe in Binghamton, and William Jane in Ithaca. I might be missing some, but those are at least That's our huge. core. That's um, yeah, and it's it's basically all the ones that are open. There's a few more that are open. Can't wait till more online, but it's been great working with them. You know, they're getting their footing. And luckily, at least I can only speak for Bristol, but we have um, a team that has a few very um, experienced individuals on it who have been through this before. So luckily we're um, already broken in and know what we're doing. And so it's been nice to um, share that knowledge with the dispensary owners and um, everyone's just been very supportive I would say you know very yeah. cooperative we all have the same goal yeah. and we're all just trying to do it well and that also extends honestly to the OCM um, I will give them a shout out that they are definitely very collaborative and supportive and um, cooperative yeah no, that's good. I think that's the only way that this whole thing is going to work. Absolutely. You know? And I'm curious, you know, there's a lot of other shops going online right now. I think they just released another 90 licenses or yes. something like that. Yeah, this past Monday, um, I believe it was, uh, they licensed 99 more card licensees. And so it's just like, how fast can they get those stores open? Us processors were dying for more stores to be open. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, it's only going to get better for you guys. Yeah, it will get better. It'll, it'll get more hectic. Yeah. And uh, so it's, we were talking about this today. Um, it's going to be just this two edge attack of more dispensaries are open and we're also going to be launching more SKUs. And yep. so it's just going to be like an explosion, but it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's like going from zero to 100. I just feel like everybody, you know, like the Bristol extracts of the world were waiting around for this happen for years. And all of a sudden, I mean, what, it's been four months since Housing Works opened, not even, you know, they opened December 29th, yep. right? So, yeah, it's it's moving fast. I know people want it to move faster. Um, I really hope these the next round that was just licensed can get open pretty quick. Yeah, and I hear that May we're going to see another regulations package. So Yes, I hope the, so. And then they're anticipating another 45-day comment period mm -hmm. after that, but... Mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe fall we might see the rest of the licenses, the rest of the cultivation licenses, the micro licenses. I do feel like it, obviously, you know, it's been a bit of a slow rollout and really no fault to anybody in particular. I mean, it, there's just a lot of bureaucracy in New York State and everything takes forever. And obviously the democratic process of release a package, 60-day comment, release mm -hmm. a package. Six, I mean, it just takes a long time and there's reasons for that. But I do think over the next year, once this next pack, this once this regulations package gets revised and licenses start to come out, it's mm -hmm. everyone's going to go from zero to 100. You're going to start to see sh more shops popping up, small growers. I think it's going to be really exciting going into 2024. Absolutely. And uh, along with that excitement, it will be more competitive. Mm -hmm. And I was also talking with Rosanna about this recently. Um, the injunction luckily has been dropped um, in all of the regions except for the Finger Lakes, which is where we happen to live and operate, yeah. but uh, it's okay. <laughs> I'll take Syracuse yeah. <laughs> in yeah. central and western yeah, New York yeah. and Brooklyn, of course. Um, 
And so what's interesting, yeah, Long Island, they have one of the highest um, allocation of card sites, and it's all population-based, yeah. the, the card site allocation. However, a lot of the municipalities in Long Island have opted out of yeah. retail and consumption, and so it's frustrating to... Um, just witness that not lining up and doesn't make any sense. One, if if uh, there's no opt-in, then population-based allocation should be ignored. Because well, then you're going to have very select few places that the shops can't open. They have 24 that they're allowed to open. There's going to be six on a block, and it's so competitive. And there's that thousand foot rule too. So yeah, right. I don't know. I mean, that's obviously a little more relevant in New York city, but you know, I don't know. It's still dense in long Island. Yeah. yeah. There's, and, there's a lot of churches, schools. Yeah. yeah and a, a, most of long Island opted out. So it's going to be really yep. interesting to see where these dispensaries pop up. Yeah. I don't, I would be surprised if they use all their 24 yep. and uh, those should get redispersed because yep. we have the space up here. We have the people um, who are opting in and interested and supportive of this program. Um, so, yeah, I think they should. And I'd be curious, you know, obviously I'm very excited for everybody else. It does suck that, it, you know, the Finger Lakes of all regions is still, uh-huh. you know, on the injunction list. But hopefully, you know, this is really just for card when it comes to general dispensaries and micros and, you know, that re- those other retail outlets, the injunction does not apply to those other licenses. I think that injunction just applies to yeah. card, right? Yep. That's my current understanding as well. Yep. And then you got the other lawsuit that says, just open it all up for everyone. Um, yeah. So that would open up all those other licenses, yep. right? Um I'm curious yeah. to see how that, I, I mean, <clears throat> I'm glad that it's happening. I do think it's going to be what has to happen for this to move expeditiously. Um, <clears throat> we also, nobody should be surprised by it. I think, I think we all saw this coming. I think we all kind of thought, you know, we were hearing rumors about lifting the injunction, except the finger licks for finger licks for a month before that happened. So mm-hmm. I do think we're starting to see, you know, I think, I think this is playing out how a lot of legal experts in particularly, you know, predicted. Um, the question is, you know, how long does this get tied up in court? How fast can the, you know, are, is the Finger Lakes going to be the only region for another six months or seven months or eight months that doesn't have any legal sales channels, you know? Yeah, it, I hope not. I hope not. I mean, the people that really hurts is our local farmers, our local makers, you know, it's... it's tax it revenue. Us, yeah, tax revenue. Mm-hmm. So, Jobs. Yeah. There's some real jobs um, that to support the explosion of um, businesses that will premiere in this mm-hmm. industry. You need the jobs to support them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll just be carrying out the vision that, um, you know, OCM and us operators have had for New York State. I don't want to dive too much into the injunction, but it just boggles me how... Um, you know, it's. I think it's federal legislation that they are referencing of the dormant commerce clause, yeah. and I don't know how that is applicable uh, in this circumstance of a scheduled. You know, like this is just a state. Yeah, how could you <laughs> have thing, a so. federal commerce issue and interstate commerce is not even allowed? Exactly. I, don't, I don't understand how. Mm-hmm. I don't. But understand I'm no lawyer. It's okay. It's yeah. Okay. Well, the right. good news is they're making progress. <laughs> Hopefully, by fall. Like we were saying, we might start to see. I'm just so anxious for this micro. I mean, everybody, I feel like that's a really highly anticipated license. And I think if implemented well, we'll be, we'll start to see. Thank you. Um, 
I don't know. I'm a big proponent of small craft. I think the micro license is going to be huge. I've been, you know, kind of screaming that from the top of my soapbox for four years. And yeah. I'm curious to see. I also think it provides arguably the best option for legacy operators to come in through. Um, maybe minus like a, a tier one, like, you know, small square footage cultivation license. But, you know, there's some really good brands around this area. There's some good brands out in Buffalo. You know, shout out yep. to Hattie's. They're doing really cool stuff out in Buffalo. They seem to be vertically integrated, you know. So there's some, I'm just curious to see who's, you know, we're starting to see an emergence of all these brands and faces to brands. And there's really becoming this little, you know, cottage industry in Rochester and everywhere. It'll be curious to see who makes the legal plunge and who doesn't. Definitely, yep. And then who can, who's going to make the plunge and who can hold on? Yeah, but yeah. It's it's going to be a ride, but it's awesome to get here. Um, there's a innovative product that I saw at Union Square. Um, it's unique, you know. It's a, it's has a time and place. Uh, it's called the Birthday, and it's just like a little. Uh, candle topper on a joint for for like That's a so cake, cool. yeah, very a novelty. But you know, so it's it is cool to see the the innovation and brands that are coming out, um, and of course the products. I mean, I feel great about our products. We've launched um, some delicious, effective, incredible products. Yep. I love you know the testing, the peace of mind, really, and just yeah, it's just the highest quality really that you can get. I would say. Um, and I've had other not so great experiences with some products that I've purchased at the legal dispensary. Yeah. Um, and I definitely will not name any names, but yeah, like you hit a vape and you get a headache immediately. Really? Not the vibe. You not the vibe. Yeah, you don't, wouldn't really expect that from a legal supply chain. No, no, but you know, maybe just whatever's in it. That's, that's also the thing is uh, cannabis is so chemo diverse and complicated that all these different extracts and products, they all have different like profiles and things that we yeah. don't even test for and yeah. identify, right? Yeah. So it's, it's cool though. There's, you know, products for everyone. And that's actually um, ties into upcoming, there's MJ Unpacked in New York City. End of the month, right? Yep, end of the month in Midtown at the Hilton in Manhattan. Um, it's like a three-day conference, and I'll be speaking on a panel that's talking about how synthetic cannabinoids affect your business. And on a call that we all had recently for the panelists, we were just talking about how there can be, you know, like a lane for all of these unique things, and they all do have these different profiles yep. and um native molecules can be present or absent from that composition. Um, and they're all just unique and can have their own lane, right? But it just all has to be defined. Well, it's funny, did yeah, you, did you get the email? Did you Wait, get, which email? There's an email that literally just, I got it today. So I, I have a, a hemp CBD retail license for my CBD business. And I just got this emailed from the OCM, it's a, um, it's called Hemp Advisory Notice is the is the mm. um, title. Important update. <clears throat> and this came in today at 3.01 p.m. The Office of Cannabis Management has become aware of the sale of high THC hemp-derived products mm. marketed as meeting the definition of hemp, having a Delta 9 THC content below 0.3% THC. These high THC products are public health risk, blah, blah, blah. Long story short... Um, an emergency regulation package will be issued shortly identifying permissible milligram units of THC and cannabinoid hemp products. So not as much about 
secondary cannabinoids and stuff like that, but more or uh, um, synthetic cannabinoids. But more people are using this hemp-derived um, THC low loophole. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see hemp-derived THC, and it's still THC. But a lot of these smoke shops, a lot of these bodegas around here have like really well-branded oh, yeah. THC products oh, yeah. um, that. I think that what everybody is, you know, the the big issue is it's like a dry weight per gram and nobody really knows and it's not really being enforced. So I think a lot of people think that they're being compliant and maybe they are, but it does sound like there's a kibosh coming on that. Yeah, they're getting um, the scent of it, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, there's even a brand who is doing that and they're using the same brand that is in the adult use space. And uh, it's a little confusing, you know, it's brand X and then in the hemp space, it's brand X hemp. Really? <laughs> yeah. And it's hemp drive Delta nine. Um, and so I should clarify that that panel at MJ Impact is um, synthetic hemp derived ca- cannabinoids because some people get confused with synthetic cannabinoids being the um, like JWH molecules that are in spice K2. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so. Again, yeah, they're all just like unique compounds, right? And can have their own lane. And I think the unique thing that cannabis should focus on and own and represent is um, preservation of like the plant profile, like staying as true to the plant as possible or, um, you know, natural sources. Just claiming, oh, sorry, they're from a natural source um, instead of. Uh, synthesized. And then I like to adopt the term um, modified cannabinoid for some of these cannabinoids that are like THCOA, THC acetate, um, which is just a different thing in and of itself to increase the um, binding and affinity of the THC molecule, adding that acetate side chain to make it more potent and it binds tighter to your receptor. So it's a more intense experience than traditional Delta 9. yeah, you know, there's such a diverse yeah. space, and that's just chemical space in general is a diverse, like, never-ending universe was, of, you know, chemicals and molecules. It just, it's crazy because a lot of these smoke shops and stuff, you, I've never had THCOA or any of the, the mm-hmm. derivatives. I do tend to stay away from it. I had a Delta-8 yeah. gummy one time, and mm-hmm. uh, I definitely was stoned. It was a little bit different than a Delta-9, but I, I tend to say to flower and regular delta nine but from right. what i've heard the thcoa is very potent very intoxicating and it blows my mind that you know because of a a legal loophole and because of a you know chemistry de- like a, a it's a death a, a technicality that mm-hmm. these products can legally you know up until you know now where they're putting together packages sit on people's shelves and we don't even know what the long-term effects are, if they have any, you know, yeah, it's all kind of crazy. They're very unresearched, right? Um, yeah, I don't mess with the modified or um, synthetic distillate cannabinoids. I'm, I'm more permissive on synthetic isolates, I would say, you know, if something's 99.95% pure yep. um, and it has all its other, you know, typical full panel analyses on it, then um, I'm less worried about that regardless we don't we never um use any of that in like our combustible inhalable products um and i think that's the big concern is um synthetic distillates they can be less pure and more uh, contaminated and then once you combust or vaporize that um, it can create some nasty side products if there's chemical residues in that uh, synthetic material so 
Yeah, I mean, but it is labor intensive to extract THC from cannabis um, and make it industrially make sense. Yeah, and it's not everybody. I mean, even the, I mean, the equipment alone, we've talked about this before. You know, you have yeah. to be a well financed operation, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to do commercial grade extraction. You know, and, and it's. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's why operators tend to, you know, eventually, oops, I don't know why I keep knocking into this. Um, <laughs> operators tend to, you know, obviously scale up the operation, get bigger and bigger equipment to realize economies of scale. Um, and so that's actually an interesting question to ask you since you're so interested in the micro license. Do you think that is limiting um, having like a cap on? essentially the productivity and uh, scale that you can reach and not being able to maybe compete with people who are at larger scale? So I don't, I've never really worried about that because there's there's ve- better value and higher ticket price and smaller batch stuff. Mm-hmm. When you start looking at these huge rooms with, you know, 10, zo- 10 tables per room and 100 lights, I mean, that's yeah. just a lot of product. And in the first yeah. couple of years, you're gonna sell that product. There's no doubt. Like there's people, who if they get off the ground early, they have good facility, they're efficient, they have a good accountant team, whatever they can grow, as long as they're gonna sell, right? I mean, outdoor, you know, older outdoor weed is selling for a decent ticket right now. So when indoor comes in, you are gonna see people who make do really well. Mm -hmm. I don't worry, I think, you know, the way that I've set up my design for my future facility, you know, one, our one real restriction right now is 3,500 square feet of flowering canopy, which in my opinion is great. That's four 30 light rooms, you know? So, you know, for me, I look, you know, what I try to do is always have more uh, variety rather than like running a single room, you know, it might be a single plant. It might be easier to like dial it, like your irrigation in and your environmentals, especially if you know that strain really well, you can give it its perfect environmentals, but like who wants 60 pounds of the same strain? So I think, you know, although yes, you won't be able to really, you know, I don't, I think if you're talking about small scale and less employees and uh, super efficient rooms, with a veg room and like a good schedule. I mean, if you're putting out a 30 light room, if you're a good grower, you can, you're pushing 60 to 90 pounds per run of four different strains, you know? And especially with a micro, you'll be able to have retail, which you'll be able uh-huh. to get that higher ticket, which allows you to be more competitive and whatever's left over, you know, a lot of these dispensaries are gonna need more products. So do I think, mm. I think that it- Are you per- allowed to sell your product to other dispensaries? I was under the assumption that you can that sell you, your own. Pro- you only can sell your own product at your own store. I was under okay. the impression that you could wholesale maybe to mm-hmm. other micros. I think that oh, okay. needs clarification. I think that needs, but also like you know, if you're if it let's say that you can't and it's only you can only sell it through retail. I mean, 30, 60 pounds. I mean, and then also think you know, if you're thirty five hundred square feet, you have four uh-huh. rooms. Uh-huh. You're rotating every fifteen days, right? Every Absolutely. sixteen days. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. So you're you're <laughs> you're pulling you know sixty pounds of flour every fifteen days. That's a lot of eights and ounces. So yeah, and see, that's the thing. In that scenario, you want to be selling that as smokable. Yeah. Um, because who wants 60 pounds of the same strain sometimes us processors yeah. <laughs> do. But yeah, that's but con- one of the biggest things that concerns me about the New York program is um, this cultivation framework, how it's currently set up. It's not um, so friendly towards 
kind of making like higher highest quality concentrates possible yeah. because we don't have the highest quality and volume um, of high quality flour for methods that don't remediate uh, microbials yeah. and other issues like solventless extraction and people should and do demand for rosin um, and we should be able to make some fire rosin yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is difficult to have the quality input i'm like kind of freezing from this fan are you suddenly sure sorry but yeah, how you liking the vape? It's a great vape. Stoned. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's great. It's so smooth. Very well done. Thank you. All right, if you get, if you're still cold, let me know. We'll see if we can have Fitz turn the heat up. Oh no, no heat. It was hot in here before. All of a sudden, I'm cold. Probably the weed. Yeah. <laughs> It'll make Messes you with your body temperature yeah. a little bit, but it's all good. No, honestly, I've had people ask me that all the time. It's like, oh, you know, 3,500 square feet for me is, is plenty. That's a lot mm -hmm. of room. That gives you a lot of room. You know, if you're f primarily focusing on smokable flour, which I think if, if that's the facility that you have, you should. But also, yeah. you know, if you're pulling every, you know, I make extracts and rosin with high quality lower buds like never trim yeah. you know and, yeah like small buds and you mm -hmm. can you know that goes a long way from the terms you know rosin has a great ticket but you can also accumulate rosin and you know food grade over the course of you know multiple runs decarb it and be able to make a lot of edibles with it so i think yep. if people i yep. think if people can be really efficient with their facility design you know my facility designed is to m maximize that 3500 square feet and build mm -hmm. everything around it okay 3500 square feet i have an eight divided by four rooms is 875 uh, square feet per room you should generally have for a bedroom double that so 16 to 1700 square foot veg and now you have your cultivation mm -hmm. now you can build around that and i think that if people with micro license adopt that mentality and say we need to be even if you don't set your four rooms up with full equipment right off the bat set yourself up room to grow into because mm -hmm. if you're a good brand and you have a good product and you're a good grower soon enough especially in the first three years you're going to be pushing the limits of that facility and that's a good sign yeah. you know what happens if you get to a point where you're you reach production capacity. I don't know. I mean, is that just the reality of a micro? Sure. But I think we'll start to see people getting really efficient with vertical growth systems and all sorts of stuff. So I don't know if you're a small eight, nine person operation and you're pushing, you know, you're maxing out a micro facility, you're probably doing pretty well. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how many stores are open by year end. I know. Yeah. Because, yeah, I just wonder how many stores and how much reach a micro can have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of overhead, I know, on the processing side. So it makes sense um, a micro doing smokable because, you know, how much it, is there left over to invest in a lot of processing yeah. equipment to, you know. And, I mean, everyone's going to have their own path. And I definitely encourage people to join and, you know, apply their creativity and you know innovate yeah and and find success i, I want nothing more no i know, you know i, I want to i want to see cool new stuff go no on. i do too i want to see really cool new stuff i actually saw something it's this is not new but it's just the first time i've really seen it in new york there's uh chillum smokable flights so mm. it's like a four pack a little glass chillum my, yeah. co my cousin jess who's been on the show before 
down in Happy Valley, they do it. So uh-huh. they'll have their four popular strains, like little one hitters in the chillum, yeah. and they'll package them like that. Really cool, nice cool. glass hardware. So mm. nice. Yeah. But we're expecting a lot of innovation coming out of your end, Missy, in the next year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of, so I'm working on more SKUs currently. Uh, we have three more snobby vapes that will be coming out. Um, these are limited edition and, like, you know, small batch, yeah. frequent release. Um, we will have mints dropping as well as tinctures. Cool. Yeah, some mints in the Senior Moments line, as well as one for Love Weed and tinctures. Yeah, the Dankinator 1000, the 1000 milligram, 30 ml. Um, So that's 33 mig Delta 9 per 1 ml oil liquid that goes under your tongue sublingually. Yep. Uh, so that one I call hot sauce. Okay. I'm a fan of it. A lot of people are a fan of it. Um, someone on our team, he uses it as his bong chaser. Bong. <laughs> He's uh, a little aggressive, yeah. but you know, we always tell him, um, you're the exception, not the rule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> there's space for all, all types of people. You That's know? right. Yeah. Yeah. He fits the snobby brand. Great. Um, yeah, speaking of more innovation as well, we have great results on some nano emulsion. We've been working nice. on that project for a while, um, and it's going in a good direction. We've made progress. Recently, we've got back some good particle size results because a lot of these products and brands that say they're fast acting, they don't really advertise um, or disclose their particle size and actually have that included. Um, it's not required, yeah. you know, as the typical full panel product testing. Um, but it's it's great to actually prove we are reaching yeah. this particle size uh, and this is why this works. So yeah, we've been able to reach 100 nanometers, uh, which is plenty small. We actually, yeah. it's a little, you know, it's in the right range, but we don't want to go any smaller than that. Um, and that will help the cannabinoids uh, be faster acting and you will absorb them more efficiently. You'll absorb more of the milligrams that you actually consume. So it's more efficient, uh, more bioavailable, and it will stay Delta 9 when you consume the nanoemulsion product uh, because it enters your bloodstream quickly due to breaking down the particle size under high pressure and encapsulating them um, into water-soluble ingredients. Yeah. Wow. So it doesn't even so it doesn't go through the first pass metabolism. So that's where it, not through your liver and traditional right. GI digestion. No, no, nope. it goes quicker and gets um, absorbed faster into your bloodstream directly. So, yeah. so THC regularly, what is the particle size of like a THC? Yeah, distil- we sent um, CBD distillate. So very similar. They yeah. have like very similar molecular weight. Um, and that CBD distillate was 4,400 nanometer. Oh, wow. 4,400, yeah. And so we've had all types of results, you know, like 220 to 150, and now we're closer to where we want to be at 100. Um, it is super interesting. Uh, it's a great innovation to bring over from, you know, pharmaceutical and more traditional yeah. industry and apply it here. Um totally makes sense and it's more of a predictable and shorter duration experience than traditional edibles that's what i noticed with with 
water some water soluble products that I've had is it's like a 20 minute onset compared to that you know 45 yeah. minute hour onset it's quick yep and it's like a two hour thing which yep. I think is great for a lot of people exactly. you know I think that's exactly. really great yep yeah some of our team members uh they love traditional edibles and I'm like you know not everyone can like block off I know four yeah. to six hours a yeah. whole day yeah. sometimes you know and so exactly you're you're totally on the money with that one um what was I going to say? Yeah, for traditional edibles, it turns into Delta 11 um, hydroxy THC when it goes through your yep. traditional GI tract. And so that traditional digestion takes longer and Delta 11 hydroxy THC um, again binds tighter to your receptors, okay. um, such as as well the THCOA and um, that leads to the longer duration. So the classic edible story where I didn't feel anything late onset yeah. and then it was all too much and yeah. too, for too long. Uh, so this will definitely fit better into people's lives. Sometimes the onset is even quicker than 20 minutes. It's like five minutes. Yeah, like. which is great. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where I'm really excited about nano um, because of the social aspect. So obviously smoking definitely. is really popular, yep. but I think, you know, for me, I like the social aspect of a bar Huh. or a, an event space like that but i'm not really much of a drinker anymore a uh, little me bit either oh my god let's talk about it so yeah but these juices like uh i have a uh a, a nano juice that i drink yep and what my fiance rachel and i have been doing at night is you know and it's a hundred milligram bottle it's 12 ounces and it's dosed pretty much to the milligram mm -hmm. so every ounce is 8.3 milligrams so mm -hmm. maybe one shot you know or right. two shots uh -huh. add it with a little seltzer and a lime all of a sudden you have this little cocktail, cannabis mocktail yeah. cannabis mocktail uh -huh. it's an it's a quick onset buzz it's easy to dose it tastes good yeah it's still a it's drink like three it's calories. social yeah. yeah yeah nice yeah yeah and that wins over alcohol right like the, the calories um that you don't consume when you stop consuming yeah. alcohol is huge yeah um and Alcohol is a oxidant on your body and a poison, really, yes. um, as opposed to cannabinoids or antioxidants. Um, yeah, I'll riff all day on how yeah. <laughs> a lot of people want to just regulate cannabis like alcohol. And uh, I guess legislatively, maybe that's simple and cleaner and quicker, but they're so different. Yeah. Um, however, the societal acceptance of such a inebriating poison, essentially, um, and it's commonplace and so accepted is uh, definitely interesting. And so for cannabis to be a more benign substance, yeah. It'll get there. I hope it gets there. Yeah, for sure. It will. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh... It's funny, actually, I, I was listening to this podcast uh, last week about this guy named George Remus, and he was like, um, I don't know if it was late 1800s, early 1900s, like the, the whiskey titan, right? He bought mm -hmm. Jack Daniels Brewery, and he got into it at first because he was a pharmacist, and he had a family pharmacy and blah, blah, blah. And back then, you had to get a license to sell whiskey and liquor gotcha. medicinally, yep, right? Yep, yep. Medici you know, uh -huh. so you can kind of see how that transition over many years, um, you know, led it to alcohol being, you know, more recreational. But when you look at like the medicinality of alcohol versus cannabis, it's night and day, you know, oh, cannabis, yes. it's, it is amazing that, you know, 
alcohol to this day with what we know about it. And I'm not, I sometimes sound like I'm hating on booze. I love to have a drink. I love to have a margarita. Mm -hmm. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to the science and what alcohol does to your body and your metabolism from, it's poison. That's it. Yep, <laughs> it is, right? And it's a solvent. Um, I've, I've been meaning to do this and I should work with Brandy on doing this. Um, just doing like a residual solvent analysis on a beer, you know, and they list it 5% ABV yeah. or whatever. Um, and so that translates to whatever percent or whatever PPM, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm too tired at the end of the day to do that quick calculation <laughs> right now. But um, yeah, it's, it is drinking solvent. And so it's hypocritical how some people are chemophobic. Um, about some chemicals and not others, and they're literally drinking solvent, but it's it and it's regulated and legal. So we just want to, yeah. you know, have the same acceptance um, and commonality. It'll be really great and cool when these consumption lounges are open, right? I know, I can't wait That'll for those, cool. right? Because yeah. right now, like, I still. I still love like this, like I said, the social aspect of a bar environment or just like an event. I, I'm an extrovert. Mm -hmm. I need people, but I don't always want to go sit at a bar on a Friday because that's not yeah. me. I would love to go, like I, I would love to go to like a dueling piano bar that's you know mm -hmm. had cannabis mm -hmm. or a jazz club or just mm -hmm. some sort of you know place where we could all go and smoke and shoot the shit. And you know, I think I really look forward to the day that we can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that will be awesome. Be sick. That will be awesome. Um, so wrapping up, mm -hmm. I want to get an idea of, you know, what you're doing a lot of speaking, a lot of educating, it seems. Yes, yep. Tell I'm, me what's going on and what's next. Yeah, I'm teaching intro to cannabis processing at SUNY Columbia Green Community College currently. This spring, 2023, um, it's a seven-week course <laughs> online asynchronous. So I'm sure if you don't live in the Hudson Valley near Hudson, New York, where CGCC is, um, you can probably still enroll in the class. And yeah, so I'm doing that teaching. I have been doing brand, brand education for our three brands, two dispensaries, and I will be at MJ Unpacked speaking as well. Bristol Extracts will have a booth as well. I've seen mock-ups of our booth. It's going to be so, so dope. We have sure. a, corner, a corner booth. We're showing off all three brands. Nice. And, yeah, I'll just have to plug them again. We're all on Instagram. Um, they each have uh, Instagram profiles at love underscore weed, and that's spelled the French way, O-U-I-D, uh, weed. Uh, senior underscore moments underscore New York, I believe, and snobby underscore Dinkins. And they all have websites as well. So definitely follow us and stay tuned for new launching products. Yes. Farm to table products. Made crafted, in Finger Lakes, New York. Formulated by our homegirl and our good friend, Corinne Devine, the boss, the professor. I'm telling you, I, I have this feeling that by this time next year, you're going to be famous. Here we I go. don't know you're about get, that. You're, but. Getting, you're, you're everywhere. I'm telling you, don't forget about us. I will not. Absolutely not. This is where it all started, as we all know. Hell yeah. well, thank you again for having me and for letting me showcase our products. Um, any other last product reviews and notes? Plug it up. Plug it up. <laughs> Man, I'm definitely trying all Put of you these on the spot. Product. I'm excited to try your gummies. I tell you this, and you probably think I'm blowing smoke at this point, but your gummies are the best. Thank you. Your thank you. Are the best. And yeah, let's mention they're vegan. They're only pectin based. 
I've I've tried natural all, flavors. I've tried a lot of pectin gummies. Mm-hmm. I've tried making pectin gummies and have not done well. You have perfected the pectin gummy. Thank you. Thank you very much. So congratulations to you on all your success. I'm very excited. I want to you know stay in tune with us. Um, congratulations and thanks for coming on the show. It's always good to see you. Thank you, Steve. Alrighty. Woohoo! Woohoo! We did it. Uh, this has been another episode of Cannabis Cum Laude. Our good friend Corinne Devine from Bristol Extracts making waves in the New York State cannabis industry. Lots to come for her in Bristol. Um, we'll keep you updated. Um, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. <laughs> thanks to our friends here at Rockbox Recording and Production in Rochester, New York. They are a full professional podcast and video studio designed by a radio guy for podcasters. Audio, video, voiceovers, editing, Whatever. Mouth off at Rockbox at rockbox.com. You can follow Cannabis Cum Laude on LinkedIn and all other social media platforms, as well as Cannabuzz. And if you'd like to help support the show, search up Cannabis Cum Laude on Patreon. And of course, all of those links are in the show notes. Thanks for watching and listening.